right. Well, thank you, Chris, so much. I appreciate our education team, whether it's our nursery, our uh, preschool teachers, those that work in our Impact Kids uh, Elementary Wing, our Category 5 where our teens uh, just went out, uh, our adult classes. I appreciate them uh, so much and all that they uh, do. So thank you for leading that uh, group, uh, Chris. We really appreciate it. Uh, you and Helen uh, very much. And as he said, the truth sets us free. We're going to be talking about uh, the truth. And so go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. We're going to pick up there in just a second. And uh, I want to tell you a story that I've heard many times over the years, probably uh, from uh, childhood. But I remember uh, this story about an elephant at a circus. And uh, a man was looking at this big elephant at the circus, and he had a, a, a thin cord Uh, tied to his leg and just with a small spike in the ground. And the elephant would just barely tug and wouldn't do anything. And they asked, this elephant, couldn't he pull out? And uh, the circus leader said, certainly could. But from a child, we banged this spike into the ground with a heavy chain upon his leg. And he would pull and he would tug and he would use all of his ability and he could not get away from that rope that was there. So as he grew up, he just quit trying. He believed the lie that he was in bondage, and so he stayed in bondage. We're going to be talking this year about the truth setting us free, and uh, so glad that you are here. That's our theme and our goal, uh, as I mentioned last week, is that we are to align ourselves with the Word of God. We are to align our lives to what God says about us, because what we believe ultimately determines the way we behave. Our thoughts influence the decisions that we make. Now, I think this is so important. I remember looking at a study uh, of uh, uh, teenagers in America not that long ago. And this study said that teens said the most important thing, the most important value that people would carry is this, just to be nice. And I think that is an important thing to be nice. But that value, as opposed to right and wrong, as opposed to morals, to our religious beliefs, as long as you're nice, that's the important thing. If you can just be nice, many of our young people would side with that. That is the culture of the day, whether we turn on uh, Hollywood or we put on uh, the commercials or we put music on or we see our... our, uh, Uh, sports uh, leaders and we uh, see what happens in technology, they'd say, just be nice, just accept everybody. Let's be inclusive and demonstrate kindness. Not that long ago, we talked about worldviews and we looked at some different worldviews that uh, people live by. Their perspective of truth, our concepts of truth, the way we see the world and the way we accept truth into our daily personal lives. A couple of those, one was the new age or or mysticism. Truth is just to be experienced. Whether it's through meditation, showing gratitude, looking for a higher force, truth is just to be experienced. The worldview of secularism would be truth is to be observed. Now all these can have 
some parts. We want to experience a truth in life. We want to observe truth in life, but we move from the dark ages into more of the secularism where uh, Christians who started science because they believed God was organized and we could look at uh, God's creation from a systematic view, and that's sort of how science got started, but that observation led to, led to throwing away religious beliefs into secularism, that that's the important thing, not just freedom of religion, but ultimately freedom from religion. Into the worldview of postmodernism, that there's so much information out there, how could anybody ultimately know what is true? Yes, you may be able to observe certain things, but you can't observe everything and you can't know everything. And even if you knew everything in this world, what about things that are outside of this world? And therefore, truth can't be known, so just do whatever you would like. You can't know truth. Where with Christianity, truth is to be understood, and as Jesus said, the truth sets us free. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? In John 17, 17, Jesus tells us what truth is. When Jesus is, is talking about this truth, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Just think of how simple life was. For me, growing up in a middle-class home, three bedrooms, playing in my backyard, going to a simple church that just simply believed the Bible, just kind of living life. Then we get older, we have more freedoms, we see more things. Maybe we go to high school and we hear some things that were different than what was taught in our home or in our church or we go away to college and the philosophies of life, we learn what is knowledge and how do you even know what you know and to learn how to learn and all these big concepts of science, philosophy, theology. The world expands, the ideas, the ideologies, lifestyles, opportunities that are at hand and life becomes much bigger and our beliefs can often be challenged. How many young people who grow up in evangelical churches go away to college, learn some things that were opposed to what they grew up under, never returning to church again? See, our world expands, and what do we believe? Is it about being kind, or is it about being right? Did Jesus say niceness sets us free? No, he said the truth sets us free. And ultimately, either our beliefs will conform to our lifestyle or our lifestyle conforms to our beliefs. If you grow up believing certain truths, then you start living a different lifestyle. Ultimately, you're either going to change your lifestyle or you're going to change what you believe. It's vital to have a biblical foundation, to think truthfully, to be discerning about incorrect concepts. That's why, as Tozer said, and I appreciate you quoting from him, Chris, the idea of what truth really is. And so get into a small group as we begin at the end of this month. And we're gonna be talking about the real God, how we can really understand who God is. God is just not what we believe he is, that's idolatry. God has stated who he is and we are to believe what he said about himself. You see, there either is a God or there isn't. Either God created us 
or he didn't. Either the Bible is true or it isn't. I mean, life really can be that simple. And as John says again, your word is truth. A Christian is a disciple. A disciple is a follower, a follower of Christ, a learner is the idea that. What do we believe about the Bible? Christianity is not some concept that uh, we follow a church or we follow a creed or we follow a person, but it's that we follow a book. And Jesus said his word is truth. He says it uh, another way in 2 Timothy chapter three, the apostle Paul pinning these words, he says, all scripture, Everything that is in this book, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, meaning it came directly from God to man, from the mouth of God to this paper that's been passed down to us. All scripture has been given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, what's the next word? Doctrine. Oh, no, doctrine divides. Let's not talk about doctrine. Let's just love Jesus. Let's just worship him. Let's just talk about practical Christianity. But listen, the first thing the apostle Paul says, writing under the inspiration of God, that the first use of scripture is to know what you believe, doctrine, to understand Christ's teaching here. Here's the question. How does God reveal himself? How do we find out the revelation of God? How do we understand what truth is ultimately? If it's the truth that sets us free, what is truth? Well, in theology, we learn there's four main ways that God demonstrates truth. The first two are in the natural realm. This is how God reveals himself. He reveals himself through creation. The psalmist says that creation demonstrates the glory of God. You can get up in the morning and see the sunrise or to look at the uh, beautiful flowers or to look at the stars uh, at night. We look at God's creation, even in the birth of a child or in the reactions of people, and we see there must be a God. God reveals himself through creation. It's a very important one for us to understand. You see, there's nobody in the world that can look around and say, I, I never knew that there was a God because nobody told me. And God said, I wrote it every morning when you woke up, that there is a God. We see that from creation. Secondly, in the natural realm, God reveals truth through our conscience, through insight. There's something within us, psychologically, within our soul, that says there has to be something more that there is a God. When I do the wrong thing, I feel bad. When I do the right thing, I feel good. That conscience either tells me uh, that don't do that, don't go there, and if I do that, I have guilt, or the other side, serve people, love people, care for people, do the right kind of things, and when I do that, I feel good about myself. That's the conscience. God reveals himself through creation and the conscience in the natural realm, but in the special or the specific realm, when God is getting real technical for us to really understand him, not just generally, there's two other ways God reveals himself. Not just creation and conscience, but through the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you want to see and learn about God, look to Jesus. If you want to know about my father, he said, look to me. 
Jesus is the revelation of God. That's why his name is the Word. He is God in living form. But the other specific way God reveals himself is through his Word. God has given us revelation through his Word. We have creation, we have conscience, we have Jesus. He's not physically here today. He ascended up to heaven. We can still uh, talk to him and have a relationship with him. But the scriptures, the word of God, this is the revelation given to us by inspiration of God. Jesus said this is truth and this is the doctrine. This is our belief system. This is how God reveals himself. The reformers call it simply this, sola scriptura, the Bible alone. How do we learn about God? And remember the reformers were, were uh, saying there's something wrong with the church today. The Catholic church was focused on tradition over the scriptures and they said something isn't working right. And they began looking into the scriptures and said it's not the pope, it's not a priest, it's not a bishop, it's not an organization, it's not a pastor or rabbi, it's the scriptures alone that teach us. They had a little phrase, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. This is God's word, sola scriptura. As Baptists, we've said it a little bit different. Just simply this, the Bible is our only rule for faith and practice. This is what we believe. This guides our daily life. And we mean it in the aspect <clears throat> of the literal interpretation of the scriptures. The scriptures has symbolisms and allegory, it has uh, poetry, we understand that, but primarily the Bible is meant to be taken as it was written. God meant what he said. When he said he resurrected, he meant in a, a physical resurrection. When uh, he, he talked about healing somebody, he was talking about a physical healing. He dealt with these uh, aspects and he meant what he said and when it was written, he actually meant what he said there and what was written. Let me state it this way. If you read theology books, there's a passage in Revelation chapter 20 that has caused uh, a lot of concern over certain groups, and I just want to read you some verses, and uh, it uses this little phrase, 1,000 years, and I want you to think about it, because I want you to just consider, what does 1,000 years mean, okay? Look at the verses, I have them on the screen behind me, Revelation 22, he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for, notice first time, 1,000 years, and he cast him into the bottomless pit. And shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them. And judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the soul of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark uh, in their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Then look at verse five, last time. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So if you study theology, 
you have a, a decent amount of theologians will think, what does that thousand years mean? And many of them will say, <clears throat> well, it means a thousand is just God being general. He's just saying over an abundance of time <clears throat> or for all eternity, a thousand years just means that forever and ever, we're just gonna live with God forever. Now, if you know very much about me, I'm just a very simple thinker. And this is what I believe a thousand years may. I'm gonna give you some deep theology here. And so, uh, you know, I'm glad you're here today because this is really important. I'll tell you what a thousand years means. It does not mean 999 years, okay? And it doesn't mean a thousand and one years. Are you with me online? You got this? It doesn't mean that it's somewhere right in between 999 and 1,001 is the number 1,000. Guess what 1,000 years means? If I understand the scriptures, it just simply means 1,000 years. When we go to the scriptures, we can just believe that the Bible says what it means and it means what it says. If we will take a literal acceptance of the scripture, a simple understanding, the Bible is knowable, we can comprehend it. People complicate things, religion complicates things, the elite try to complicate things, but you can just simply believe the Bible is the truth. You see, with evangelical Christianity, we just accept the Bible. There are core beliefs, foundational principles, unchanging truths of the Bible. God calls it this, the faith. Now there is the idea of faith that saves us, our faith in trusting God. But when the Bible uses the word the faith, he's talking about the body of truth that we believe. And when it comes to just being kind to people, the scriptures go quite deeper. It actually tells us there are things that we should fight for. Truth should be fought for. We just don't let lies run over us. Jude verse three says this, beloved, while I was very diligent to write unto you concerning our common salvation, he said, I'm gonna write you a letter. He's writing a letter here to these saints and he said, I wanted to just talk to you about salvation. But I couldn't, there were reasons. I had to talk to you about things that were not just our salvation, it was more than that. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to earnestly contend. Now let me just stop there. What does the word contend mean? What is a contender? What is contend? Fight, thank you, who said that? All right, thank you in the back, Sarah. Nobody else said it here, but you, you knew it meant. What's a contender? It just means to fight. You know what God says? There's more to Christianity than being kind. He says there's things that I want you to fight for. I want you to earnestly contend for the faith which was once and for all forever delivered to the saints. He's saying when it comes to the scriptures, there's more than just being kind. I want you to focus on truth. Now, you know, the average Christian that leaves a church doesn't leave for doctrinal reasons. Like, well, this church is teaching heresy, false teaching, so I'm gonna leave. And they don't leave a church over moral reasons. Man, people are living ungodly lives. This is not honoring to God. People get mad over crazy, silly things when they leave churches, don't they, normally? It's not a very good reason. But if there's a church that's not teaching the truth, either the church needs to repent and follow the scriptures, or it's time to go somewhere else. The truth is vital. This body of doctrine 
that teaches us how to be saved and how to be a disciple of Christ. Now, let's look at our passage for the day, John chapter 8. Last week, we started a series. We began talking about our theme, The Truth Sets Us Free the importance of truth. And we said it's not just learning truth, though it's valuable, and that's what we're talking about this week, but it is living out the truth so we can have freedom. That elephant believed a lie that he could not be out of bondage. Well, I just can't. I never will. I'm told I'll never uh, amount to anything, and this is what I believe. Satan whispers in my ear. There's others that tell me I'm a failure. I look in the mirror. I see uh, a failure, whatever, and you're going to live in bondage there, but I have to believe the truth. I have to understand that so it can set me free. And Jesus is teaching in John 8 about who he is. Jesus is, is uh, talking to the woman caught in adultery. Then he's talking to the religious leaders and uh, uh, the, the Jewish people that ultimately were going to uh, take him and put him on a cross, as we see later in John chapter 8. And, and he's telling them who he is. And in John 8, 30, look at what the Bible says. And he spoke these words, uh, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. So we have people that are believers. It doesn't tell us what they believe. Did they understand that Jesus was the Savior? Did they just understand that he was a prophet? It, it, it doesn't state totally here. It just says that they believe what Jesus was saying. They had some idea of who he was, but not necessarily completely. Here's a question. How do we distinguish between a general believer, someone that believes in God, and a true disciple of Jesus? A lot of people say, yeah, I believe in God. You know, who doesn't believe in God? Or, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I grew up in church. But is it enough to believe? You know, even the devils believe and tremble. The devils believe in God. Is that enough to get anybody to heaven? No, it's not. What does it truly mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, last week I skipped over this verse. And so I want to look at verse 31 because this verse is very vital when it comes to truth. He's talking to the people that just said they believed. In verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if, so here's a big if, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What is the distinction between a general believer, someone that believes in God, and a true disciple or follower of Jesus Christ? What is it? Is it kindness? Is it accepting everybody? No, he simply says this, if you abide in my word. See, a true disciple is a follower of the scriptures. You cannot be a learner without being in the Bible. You can't be an actual follower of Jesus unless I'm learning what the scriptures have to say. If you abide, we see that same word later in John 15, where he talks about the vine and the branches coming together and abiding in Christ. And he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's the idea of abide. It means to remain, not leaving, not separating, but continuing. To abide has the idea of even dwelling spending time with, the idea of intimacy. 
when you spend time in your family's home and you're just enjoying being around other people, it's that love that is there and you abide in the word of God. If you abide in me, he's talking about my word here. Abiding in my word. Then are you my disciple indeed. See that? Indeed. You really are a disciple when you're in the word of God. And in that context, he says, verse 32, and you shall know the truth. What truth? He just said what the truth was in the last verse, didn't he? If you abide in my word. And when you're abiding in his word, then you know the truth. And when you know the truth, what does he say? We'll be set free. Truth doesn't set us free. It's a known truth that sets us free. We've got to know what the scriptures have to say. We have to abide in his word. That's why I think it's important to get involved in a small group. That's why it's important not just to talk about the practical application of scriptures, but to understand doctrinally what the Bible has to say. A Bible study isn't based, is this what I think it means? What do you think it means? What do you think it means? Oh, we had a good time together. It doesn't matter what I think it means or what you think it means. It matters. What does God tell us it means? The Bible is knowable. We can understand it. Now, let me give you several things that, well, let's look at the next verse. So Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free, right? It's going to make us free. Notice what the disciples said in verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. Jesus is talking about spiritual truths, and guess what? They begin talking about politics, Right? There's always somebody who's ready to talk about politics. Here's what the Bible says. Well, let's discuss politics. I have no problem talking about politics. I think it's important. Uh, they, they said, we are Abraham's descendants. They even began talking about uh, religion. They aren't going to want to deal with these spiritual truths. And so they throw out a side note. The truth will set you free. We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage. They want to bring up side notes. And in verse 37, Jesus says, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. Why? Because my word has no place in you. Now look at verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. What was the problem? They had rejected the word of God. The answer is in verse 47. He who is of God hears God's words. How do I know what God has to say? In the confusion of what society has to say, and let me just say, we are bombarded with what society has to say. Remember, Romans says we're to be renewed. We're let to allow the word of God to change our thinking because we are constantly bombarded. Technology controls our thinking. Young people are constantly on their phone and old people are constantly on their phone. And 
what is technology teaching us? Can you get good things out of technology? Certainly you can. But we are constantly bombarded. Oh, I want to look up what is truth. Well, what am I going to do? Am I going to go to the scriptures? No, I Google it. And it pops up. Where does that information come from? There's somebody that is guiding the direction of that material. And it's probably not somebody that's wanting you to learn what truth is. As my kids grew up, I said, entertainment is not just entertainment. The show on Disney is not just to entertain you and to teach you a fun story and then take up about an hour. They are wanting to indoctrinate you. You turn a commercial on today, and we'll uh, follow up more detail next week. But they're teaching you certain truths. I turned the football game on, the playoffs last night, and I see little signs where society says, you better accept this lifestyle. This is okay. And all these things that are just being inundated into our life, and if you don't accept it, then you will be kicked out. You will be canceled. You will be rejected. Try to go through high school or college today and say you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. To believe that God believes in morality, that there's a certain way to live. That isn't acceptable. Why? Because it's not kind. It's not very accepting to say one lifestyle is wrong over another lifestyle. To say people can't just do as they please. But if we can get back to the simplicity of what is knowable, do I understand everything about the Bible? Certainly not. I mean, I will study it the rest of my life and still just gain a small piece of everything that's in God's word. But it's as, as simple as when I was a little six-year-old understanding that Jesus loved me and he died for me. And if I trusted in him, I could get to heaven. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart and from then, I've tried to look at the scriptures. I've tried as a, a teenager to study what God's word has to say for my daily life and to live what he says is right and to not do what is wrong. Do I have many failures in my life? Certainly I do, just as well as you. But it's the truth that sets us free. And it's the elephant that is tied to that little cord, believing that he can never escape. And I just want you to understand that Life can be a lot more simple if we just get into his word and allow it to guide us throughout our life. Does that include kindness? You bet. Does God want us to be kind? Yes. But the supreme value is not kindness. See, the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13 says this. It's a very interesting uh, thought It just simply says, love, 1 Corinthians 13, 6, love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love is not accepting sinful lifestyles, but love rejoices in the truth. And if I can understand that Jesus is truth and that he's the only way to heaven, and that Jesus is truth and that he is the only way that I should allow to be the foundation for my daily life, 
the way I live in my private world, the way I live in my home, the way I love my family, my neighbors, my community, my enemies, the decisions that I make in my daily life. Why? Because the truth sets us free. Let's bow our heads for just a minute as the team comes up here. Friend, I don't know if there's been that point in your life that you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. He is the truth. And his word is truth. Do you know that you're going to heaven one day? Have you trusted him for your eternity? I'm not asking did you pray a prayer as a little child or some point in your life, but do you have that certainty that your faith is in Jesus alone for your salvation. Well, my parents go to church. Well, it has nothing to do with their parents. Well, my grandpa's a pastor. It has nothing to do with that. You personally, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Trust him today. Call upon his name. Admit that you've sinned against him and accept what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. And if you have done that, Remember what Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then are you my disciple indeed. Are you abiding in his word? This past year has been a crazy year. Whether you are attending here or watching online, what is your priority in your relationship to church attendance? Learning God's word. What about being connected to a small group? Our church is getting ready to have some awesome groups we want you to get connected to so you can learn what the Bible has to say. One of the things we're going to be doing is challenging families to have some family devotions one time a week during this semester. We're gonna give you material so you can sit down as a family and talk about truth. And then also in your individual life, your personal time with God. Maybe you've gotten so busy, just kind of drifted away and you're not in the word of God. You're not as faithful as you should be to the church. You were watching online but you just kind of got busy, it just kind of stopped. Get back on track. Let the word of God teach you truth and that known truth can set us free. Dear Father, may you take the truths of your word today and help us to live it out in our daily life. In Jesus' name. Let's stand for this closing song and let's let God speak to our hearts.